Welcome to the Andy Staples Show presented by Sling. We are talking coaching carousel. There is a lot going on. It is Monday. It's been a few hours since Auburn hired Hugh Freeze and made that announcement official. Matt Rule has been introduced at Nebraska. Luke Fickle has been introduced at Wisconsin. UNLV has fired Marcus Arroyo. Texas A&M has fired in-name-only offensive coordinator Daryl Dickey with the most terse statement I think we've ever seen. It was one sentence. It was like, Daryl Dickey's been relieved of his duties. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> that was it. I, it is... Uh, it is a Scott Dockerman day. We all we're all recovered from our cottage cheese comas. <laughs> Scott, I appreciated that. You know, all through Wednesday and Thursday, I had people reaching out on social media saying, "Hey, I'm from Iowa," and what Scott said is completely normal. I had cottage cheese. I liked it. And uh, after a while, I'm like, "Oh my god, this is like running the gauntlet back in high school, running through the blaster," and you're like. Boom! Getting oh, yeah. hit, but but except it's more like people taking all kinds of shots. I'm like, wow, I feel like Ari with some of these hits, you know. I felt I uh, felt bad, Scott. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to unleash that on you. Uh, you're you're too good of a guy. Uh, <laughs> but when I saw that a restaurant was serving, and I was like, okay, I guess this is normal. I saw yeah. a restaurant menu with it on there. Yeah, it's in the it's in the Mana Colonies, which is uh, kind of the German territory of Iowa. So yeah, that that's uh, I guess that's kind of nature to what we do here, I suppose. Well, I I am glad I you know I'm just I wanted to make sure that that we pointed that out. That Scott is not as unusual as we made him sound. So <laughs> he's he's very much on brand for where he is. He's drinking it. <laughs> what, what's he, under that? What's under that koozie, pal? The koozie's it's, a Ham's beer koozie. That's the best yeah. part. Yes, that's uh, the the nectar of the gods here in in uh, Iowa and Wisconsin. So uh, unfortunately, it's a diet Pepsi, but uh, oh, you know, I hams. thought we were. Hey, I, I thought saw, we were doing a buzzed podcast, podcast, and I'll go get a drink. I've oh, done boy. that one. I've done that guys, once before. That was when the guys, Cubs we, won the World Series. We got to talk about Hugh Freeze getting hired at Auburn, but Michael Hartman coming in hot in the live chat. <laughs> If Ryan Day's seat is actually getting worn, what big name could Ohio State target to replace him? Let's not be that kind of coaching carousel show quite yet. Quite yet. <laughs> but that's impressive. I, I, I appreciate you just being shot straight out of a cannon. A few more Diet Pepsis from Scott. Maybe he can go on a 20-minute monologue about why Urban should replace Ryan again. Mike well, Vrabel, you know. baby. Mike Vrabel. Mm. <clears throat> Well, some something's got to happen with Ryan Cooper Day, so I don't know. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> oh boy! No, no. Okay, let us. We're gonna we're gonna move back to the land of the real. <laughs> and really, what really happened on Monday is Auburn hired Hugh Freeze. Now, I, I want to actually congratulate Auburn athletic director John Cohen for not falling into a trap, or or possibly the PR professionals who crafted this quote for John Cohen for them not falling into the trap. They announced that Hugh Freeze was hired. There was nothing about being a builder of souls and a leader of men. None of that. This is what John Cohen said, or it was attributed to him. After a thoughtful, thorough, and well-vetted search, we ended where we started with Hugh Freeze. Of all the candidates we considered, Hugh was the best fit. Fit has several meanings, but the most important factors we're student-athlete development, football strategy, recruiting, and SEC experience. It's perfect. That's what you needed to say. Don't fall into the trap at the press conference on Tuesday morning and be like, 
Oh, no. Hugh is a leader of men, and he's changed since he was fired at Ole Miss for using his university cell phone to call hookers. Don't say any of that. Just say we hired him to get dudes and win games because that's what he does. All that statement said was football. That's right. (laughs) That is exactly what he should say because you're going to get those questions if you're John Cohen and there's not much you can say to them. You're going to get those questions if you're Hugh Freeze and there's not much you can say to him. Now, I will say Hugh Freeze has been pretty upfront about all this stuff. He will he will say it I did it, I messed up and I'm sorry, which by the way, there's not much more you can say in that situation. And also the the downfall of so many coaches has been lying. Like the yes. action a lot of times has been less not that well, this one isn't severe, but the, that the thing that that might ends have been people. part of the reason Hugh Freeze got fired for cause it'll miss cuz the initial conversation with Ross Bjork who was the AD yeah. at the time might not have been entirely truthful. So when you so, have a when you have a cell phone and it's a public cell phone, do they like just like vet it normally? Well, when when a lawyer representing Houston Nut gets <laughs> your records, listen. Anytime there's something involving Houston Nut and cell phone records, like if you are involved in something that also involves Houston Nut, and someone requests your cell phone records, just move to the Bahamas, like leave the country. Because something bad's going to happen to you. Already had 377 phone calls with Domino's, all of which (laughs) ranged less than two minutes in time. (laughs) Exactly. Like at first, Houston Nutt victimized himself with all those text messages to the to the lady. But the second time, he got Hugh Freeze with those other phone calls. So that's that's the thing you've got to be careful with. Is there a Houston but, Nut last name joke here, or should we just move on? I, do you really want to get canceled tonight? Is, no, that, is that your goal? <laughs> okay. I, I can't okay. control myself. Hey, uh, I actually covered a game with him when he was at Murray State. Oh, back the in Racers. 1996 playoffs. But uh, all, all that stuff's open record, so it's easy to get. I, I did that once with Steve Alford uh, when he was the Iowa coach and flirting with New Mexico. Yeah, so, so here's the deal. John Cohen... Chris Roberts, president at, at Auburn. Hugh Freeze yourself. When you get up there on Tuesday morning, stick to football. And I realize we're the ones who yell at people when they tell us to stick to sports. But your best bet is to stick to football because there is a significant portion of the Auburn fan base that's mad about this hire, that, that is embarrassed about this hire. My guess is they will not be as upset Some of them may never forgive you. Most of them will if you win. And I got to say, Hugh Freeze can win at Auburn. He is pretty well positioned to win at Auburn. If you look at what he did at Ole Miss, and then you look at the changes in the sport, it actually favors him being better at Auburn than he was at Ole Miss. So let me ask you guys, what is the percentage or maybe not percentage the scale from one to ten of desperation here is it that is this a desperation higher or is this a measured this guy is going to be the best at winning oh this is a calculated risk this is a this is a completely calculated but if it wasn't as terrible as it's been do you make this calculated risk and where does that end up on the desperation scale i don't see i don't know how desperate it here here's the thing it doesn't it. it didn't feel desperate but the results reeks of desperation so He's a guy who got dudes at Ole Miss 
beat Nick Saban two years in a row, twice in about six years. You know who got dudes and beat Nick Saban like twice in six years? Gus Malzahn. Gus Malzahn. But you had to do something different last time. And it didn't matter who was doing the hiring because the faction that wanted to fire Gus and install Kevin Steele wanted it to be the defensive guy being hired. And then Alan Green, who was the athletic director at the time, wanted to hire Brian Harson because that's who he decided he wanted to hire. But all of that was a, a basically a repudiation of Gus Malzahn. This is an admission that, no, that was probably the right guy. So they hired Gus Malzahn with baggage, essentially. And he's and, and Hugh's a buddy of Gus's. Like, they're pals. This, yeah. is, this is essentially almost them going hand up, we screwed up, should have never fired Gus in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that, that that was a bad move. And Brian Harson was, um, where does it rank in, in far, as far as SEC hires? I mean, to go group of five, do we ever see another firing or hiring like this? I mean, Urban Meyer was great when he went from Utah to Florida, uh, but he but he was at a well, different Napier level. Came from the group of five. Yeah, well, but he was from the. He South. just lost to Florida State too. Yeah. So, hey, know. hey, you watch your mouth, okay? It's a build. <laughs> They're not happy. The natives are not happy after the Vanderbilt and Florida State losses. I'm with you. That you got to figure out. Can he recruit? You hired him. You hired him to build a roster. So he either will or he won't. And. You can't decide that right now. But the Hugh Freeze hire, I, I am convinced it can work really well for Auburn because forget what he got fired for. We've discussed that. Much of the controversy around Hugh Freeze while he was at Ole Miss were accusations that Ole Miss was buying players. Guess what's now basically legal? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, boy. So, and Auburn will have a, a large NIL kitty. And Auburn... It's much will, easier to win at Auburn, especially now, than it was ever at Ole Miss. Correct. Correct. Unless you Auburn, think that Ole Miss was cheating at a, at a at a level that made them have a star competitive advantage. I don't think Ole advantage. Miss was doing anything different than, than, than anyone many of the other old-line yeah. SEC schools. Like, I don't I don't really think... But, but people got mad because Ole Miss isn't supposed to get those guys. Mm-hmm. Like... There are certain schools, and Auburn's one of those schools that's supposed to get those guys. So, I mean, we could be talking about dudes everywhere at Auburn. I mean, Auburn, minus Brian Harson's classes, <coughs> always has some dudes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The question is if they're moving into dudes everywhere territory. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, the Derek Browns, you know, that that's somebody that they should get. Yeah. And just like when he was at Ole Miss getting Laquan Treadwell, that was a strange uh, pick up, but it was a you know uh, Robert Laramie Tunsil. I mean Laramie Tunsil from from Lake City, Florida. Can we uh, also talk about how the Laramie Tunsil thing on draft night was one of the yes. craziest things that's ever happened <laughs> in the history? It, of sports? it is. I was at Sports Illustrated okay. at the time. We were doing a live draft show, and that that video pops up, and I'm like, oh my god! And I I was in my living room, and my mouth dropped. I've never yeah. seen anything like that before. <laughs> it was wild. It was wild, and and craziest part of it is at the draft, Jimmy Sexton is there with Hugh Freeze, his client, and Laramie Tunsil, his client. And it's just like, uh-oh, that's that's a pretty strange situation to, to get thrown into. Laramie Tunsil almost got a touchdown pass on Sunday, too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that cost him a lot of money, but was it was a bargain 
for the for the Dolphins, and then you know they they got to fleece the Texans and and got some draft picks. Bill O'Brien, man, what a, what a what a horse trader he hey, was. Hey, Lane, Pony we're not talking about him right now because I don't. Bill O'Brien may be headed back to the NFL. That's that's one possibility. So we we've not seen Bill O'Brien get a head coaching job, and it certainly seemed like. It's always interesting when the Alabama fans are like, get rid of this coordinator, and he he miraculously gets a head coaching job somewhere. But that was going to happen. If it doesn't happen, my my thinking is when this season ends, Bill O'Brien's going to the NFL somewhere. If Bill O'Brien ends up in the NFL somewhere, that's like the bet. Like Alabama's like the rehab for coaches, right? But even if if you relapse you're still going to get another job somewhere you know like <laughs> well and, and it's, it works it's, out well for you no matter when how Nick it Saban goes. decides to rehome you he seems to find good homes for you yeah like right so Texas. bill o'brien becomes the new iowa offensive coordinator book it <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> they would love it here that would work because he and ferrets all the ferrets are tight so oh um, yeah I, you know who else would love it me I have something to write about that's uh, more than 10 points. Now, here, here, here's the thing. Bill O'Brien actually is a pretty good offensive coordinator. You know, the Alabama fans are mad because things didn't go the way they want. That's more about developing receivers, I think, or, or recruiting receivers out of the portal or however, however we want to talk about it. It's not normal to have as many first-round receivers as they had in a row. And there was bound to be a dip at some point. It came this year. And that stinks for you guys because it's not what you're used to. But I think that's probably the bigger issue at this point. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. You know, the, the one thing I wanted to, to go back to freeze um, that yep. I was thinking about today is we used, when Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma to USC, we had the discussion of heel, right? Or like right. The, the villain of the sport. Right. And I feel like that's kind of subsided a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think do do regular fans hate him or just Oklahoma fans? I think some regular fans hate him. I I think he doesn't sub- feel hated to me. There's I don't a subset know. of fans who feel like if you use the portal to build your roster, it's still cheating. And so I think that that group will get smaller and smaller every year. But once it becomes a more accepted reality, right? Exactly. So I think there's that Hugh Freeze personality. Like and and Hugh and I have talked about this. He could be the heel, but his personality is not to embrace that. He wants everybody to like him. Yeah. He really does. Yeah. And so it might be easier for him if he'd just grow a goatee and say, I'm the bad guy. And you know what? His fans would embrace him if he won and did that. But, or his team's fans. But Well, everybody wants to be the good bad guy. Mm-hmm. or the successful bad guy yeah uh, not everybody no no no. like i'm telling you hugh freeze wants you to like him he wants everyone to love him and, and that's a, that's a normal personality trait. there are a lot of people like that <clears throat> and so it that's that'll be interesting to see how he deals with because it will be ferocious like the backlash to this is going to be ferocious like people he, standing outside the stadium on game day with posters ferocious maybe yeah maybe and he's going to have to deal with that. And he's he's going to have to learn to let it go. Ari, it's like we have this, you and I have this discussion about when people say mean things to us on Twitter or in the <coughs> comments under our stories. And neither of us is particularly great at letting it go. Like he has to pretend none of that stuff exists 
Otherwise, because if yeah, if even even one one millionth of it gets you know to him, it's gonna bug him. So, do you think that we are we want people to like us, people? Uh, I think I think partially we are. I think there's we. I don't think I could re- truly embrace, embrace being a heel. Yeah, I don't, I don't think want I would people like to hate that me. very much. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. and and he like Hugh Freeze well-documented history of of like going into people's dms after twitter searching or seeing seeing people you know say things about him or say things about people he likes he'll he'll hit you in the dms like that that's probably got to stop if you're gonna be head coach at auburn it's it's a different level of scrutiny being the head coach at auburn and, and it's more scrutiny than it'll miss too like auburn lsu tennessee alabama the, those jobs in the sec I think Florida probably qualifies. Like you got to be pretty pretty careful what you do because mm-hmm. everything becomes a thing. Yeah, everything becomes a four hour discussion on Feinbaum for three days a week. And I mean, precisely. Preci- I mean, look at look at Jimbo Fisher's season. Yeah, and that's just from losing games. Mm-hmm. So it it is this this will be interesting. But I, I advise John Cohen and I advise Hugh Freeze and I advise Chris Roberts do not fall into the trap of trying to pretend like it's something it's not making this yeah. a morality play. It's not one. It's not a morality play. It's football and you're paying millions of dollars to someone to win football games. That is why you were paying him. If you really cared about the person you hire as your head coach being a molder of young men and what blah, 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 you would have kept the interim you just had. You don't care about that. You care about winning games. And you know what? If you're if you're going to admit that, that's fine. At least you're being honest. And what's about and it. like what's wrong with admitting it? Like nothing. It, nothing. It's the literal conference slogan. It is. So <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. You're exactly yeah. right. right. So yeah, I just yeah. So it's just you got like I don't know. We don't have to talk about the baggage, but it's just like it is there. And it's going to be a discussion point, and the only thing. That's well, people make made it up stop, all these rumors about Brian Harson when they were trying to fire him for free. That were less. They were less, less tawdry than, than what actually, actually happened, happened with Ole Miss, <laughs> with Hugh Freeze and Ole Miss. Right. Yeah. God. Yeah. It is. This is all about just just let you know. In his case, walk. It's exactly what you said. Let him walk in the door. Maybe play Disco Inferno. Walks to the podium, and then. Uh, it's a football decision. This is all yeah. it's all about. Uh, yeah, and, and when Hugh gets up there, be like, we're going to fling it around. Yeah. We're going to get five-star recruits. We're going to beat Alabama. Thank you and God bless. I'm out. Yeah. I'll talk to you after. I'll talk to you on signing day. Well, what do you think Nick Saban's reaction was to this in a private room when he saw it? Because, like, let's damn give it. Saban some ass juice. Yeah. Damn it, damn it, damn it. That's what, that's what he was saying. He does not like dealing with that offense. Does not like it. Yeah. Does not relish the idea of dealing with Well, he's also going to be players. dealing with his face every single day in the state of Alabama, too. Absolutely. And Hugh Freeze is an aggressive recruiter. Like, we, we talked about Lane Kiffin being willing to go up against Nick and Kirby head-to-head for, for players. Hugh is actually more willing. Like, Hugh is, is a more aggressive recruiter. And tell me that's not the most uh, effective litmus test of whether you made the right hire or not from a football standpoint. What is Nick Saban's reaction? I think you're right. If you have Nick Saban saying, damn it, then you did the right thing from a football standpoint. From a football standpoint, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you're paying millions of dollars for this person to win football games. I, I, I realize there are people out there who think it's not about that, 
But every hiring and firing ultimately is about that. Yep. Now, well, I say that. Well, do you think Hugh in like 15 Hugh years... Hugh firing at Ole Miss might not have been about that. Do you but think he, in 15 years of college well football that we can just let go of the academic stuff and the, the APR or whatever it is and, you know, all that stuff and just it just be football? Or do you think it's always going to have some sort of school, student-athlete, young scholar, you know, mentality to it? Do you think the NIL game is going to change that? I think people want to believe that it, these are regular students when they've never really been regular. They're, they're, no, I say that. Some of them have been regular students. Like in some cases, you've had like walk-on guys who became great. You've also had guys who were you know, superior, high-level high recruits who were good at football, who also were incredible students and took advantage of, of the academic resources at their universities. That is not the case for most of the elite teams now. Yeah, most and of, some, most of the elite some colleges the elite have regular students for their entire roster. Yeah. Yeah, there, there are too many cases of where players walk in with one major in mind and then go to interdepartmental studies because right. they don't have the time to become they an got engineer. shifted that way. Like, no, 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 you can't. T- this this class meets uh, Tuesdays at 930. And we practice on Tuesdays at 930. So uh, you're going to have to pick another major, son. Do you really want to be an engineer? That's going to take you away from this. I've seen players who didn't make the depth chart because of that. So, uh, you know, but the, the situations that are kind of funny when you look back, remember Jim Trestle with the, the gold pants and all that, that oh, that's just nothing. Tre- okay. Days. Ultimately Jim Trestle, but it was nothing then too. If Jim Trestle didn't lie to the NCAA investigators about it, if he'd been like, yep, that happened, that would have been that like yep. there would have been, the players would have been punished anyway. They were going to be punished anyway. And, Trestle would have gotten off scot-free. Now, he's a university president now, so you could argue he did okay. It, <laughs> it turned out okay for him. But it, it it was because he lied. Now, I understand why he lied, too. He's probably trying to protect those players. Right. But they were going to get caught anyway. So it, it was all dumb. Like, everything about that whole thing was dumb. I'm glad we're past that era. All of the money spent and ink spilt on the accusations at Ole Miss, the NCAA stuff I'm talking about, not the not the off-field stuff, was a complete waste of time and money. It was a complete waste. It was stupid. It was college-educated, well, actually, people with law degrees wasting their time asking a bunch of recruits and their parents who paid for their hotel room at, at, at some point. Like, who cares? And the amount of money that went into the investigation probably surpassed the amount spent on the hotel rooms. Oh, it was like <clears throat> it was like ten times the amount. Yeah, it was incredible. It was just it, so we're actually more evolved in that sense because of what's happened. But I also think the regular fan just doesn't care anymore. I think you're right, and and I think a lot of why the regular fan doesn't care, especially about that stuff, is they've seen how the coaches' salaries have skyrocketed. And, I mean, we we are as guilty of perpetuating this as anybody else. Like, we talk about their contracts all the time. Like, Mitch Sherman put out all the, the Matt Rule contract numbers, and we're going to talk about them on this show. Yeah. So, like, that that's why. But people aren't stupid. Like, they know tuition's gone up a little bit. But it hasn't gone up the at nearly the same rate as coaches' salaries, 
And so they're like, and, and here's the other thing. I, I am, we're going to see a lot of ADs in Las Vegas. They, they're always out for the, the National Football Foundation Hall of Fame stuff. And I will laugh at them and say, remember how you guys told us that NIL or pay, you know, letting players get paid would make it where you couldn't pay for stuff? You're still giving out idiotic extensions where you bid against yourself. Like, magically, you found the money. How? Uh, I think there's plenty of money. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a problem. But before the end of this podcast, Andy, we have to, and and Scott, we have to compare the SEC head coaches versus the Big Ten coaches and which conference is deeper now. Ooh, I like that. That sounds like a something that will clip as a video on demand. But yeah, but don't you think that like the Big Ten really made a move? To move on from Hugh Freeze, like the Big Ten really made a move in the last two days, didn't it? Derek Walker just commented, Nick Saban, Brian Kelly, Hugh Freeze, Lane Kiffin, Sam Pittman, Mike Leach, and Jimbo Fisher in a division. That's <laughs> it's pretty strong. Now, where, okay, where's the cut line there? Like, where would you put, uh, can we agree that Jim Harbaugh is the best coach in the Big Ten at the moment? So, like, if you did it down the list here, you'd yeah, do where Saban. You put him. Where, well, and, and Kirby's. Uh, well, you got to go. Yeah, I think the SEC is going to win because they're top heavy, like the actual conference. Yeah, but the um, the head coaching tier would probably be Nick Saban, and then you would put Jim Harbaugh number one, right? That would be the uh, Big Ten's match for that, Scott. Yeah, I'd probably go Jim Harbaugh. It's funny two you, years ago would you we put wouldn't Kirby have, above Jim Harbaugh. Yes. Okay. So- yeah. <laughs> so let's let instead of in, let's just rank them one through twenty. Well, we won't rank them one through twenty eight. We don't have to. We don't have to kill number 28 or anything but <laughs> let's so Saban one kirby two right yeah jim harbaugh three or brian kelly three i go jim harbaugh. harbaugh okay harbaugh three ryan day or brian kelly here brian kelly you'd okay. go brian kelly i don't know i'll let you i've got my I, t- ryan day talk uh, takes off this week i'll let you do it scott yeah i'm gonna go ryan day i think you know two years removed from a national title appearance uh they've lost what one game last year they've lost one game this year that's better than brian kelly whether it was at notre dame or at lsu okay here's what i'm gonna say scott yes and this might be a clip but i'm gonna i'm gonna say it to All you right. for everybody who thinks i'm the buckeye homer let's let's really get into it here Ryan Day is 45 and 5 at Ohio State, right? Impeccable mm-hmm. record, national championship uh, appearance. When he took over Ohio State, they were one of the top 3 programs in college football and the without question top team in the in the conference. Mm-hmm. Now, Ohio State is not even the best team in its own conference. It's missed the playoff presumably 2 years in a row. It's lost its rivalry game 2 years in a row and he's been lapped by Jim Harbaugh. So I don't give a crap what his record is. His record is completely and utterly meaningless to me. It's about what you accomplish with your team. And I do think that that, uh, that is probably more important to me than the record. So that that's what my, my thought process is. Ohio State has regressed as a program under his leadership so far. I would also say that uh, the last two years, they have lost to Michigan, which has improved incredibly. I will also say the two years before that, they got to the, the playoff. They won uh, their first game and when got beat by uh, an all-time great Alabama team. It's just too bad it was during COVID, so not very many people watched it. And the year before, they got 
you know, there were a couple of targeting calls away from getting to the championship game again. So I don't think that two years removed from being 22 and two makes him a bad coach. I think it makes him now, okay, uh, your, your changes in the offseason to get past Michigan did not work. It's time to get back to work. Now, I don't, so, I, I don't think it's. I don't an, think he's a bad coach. We're just wondering whether or not he should be ranked as a top four in both of the conferences. Well, Brian Kelly complete- just, lost, just lost to a four and seven Texas A&M team. I don't think there. that. No, I just don't think that any program that Brian Kelly has led has gotten worse under his leadership. This is also year one in, in that situation. So, but yeah, but yes. All right. So, of course, Ryan Day's year one was <laughs> pretty spectacular. But so, yeah, Ryan Day inherited a much very different situation, very yeah. different situation and played well, in a conference, but, too, with teams that weren't equipped to beat them. So, yeah, yeah but LSU won a national title just a couple of years ago. Jimbo Fisher the, won a national title a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, LSU's coach, entire the roster went to the NFL for that year. Yeah. All right, so all right, so let's let's reset. Yeah, let's, Nick a Saban. little inner debate in the middle of the podcast never yeah, killed anyone. No, oh, I, I love it. I love it. Nick Saban's number one. Kirby Smart's number two. Jim Harbaugh's number three. You can argue one way or the other whether it's Ryan Day at four or or Brian Kelly at four at four, but those are four and five. Who's next? Is it is it the guy who's been good in both conferences? James the only guy, Franklin. What, James Franklin. <laughs> I'm, I'm <kidding. laughs> uh, where's Josh uh, Heupel? Where's Josh Heupel fall in this thing? Well, is he the Mel Tucker of this year? Uh, that's a good question. It's a good question. I mean, do, uh, you know, where do we stand with Josh Heupel's never had a bad season as head coach, though. Okay, now, I so realize this is like he, the, he walked into one great situation at UCF and one terrible one at Tennessee, but has never had a bad year. Guys, I'm a Texas A&M homer here, but one of coach that's that we hasn't put on haven't put on the list yet mm-hmm. has won a national title. Now, it's a complete dumpster fire right now. So I do those two things cancel each other out. Like, when do we start? I'm and then the James other- Franklin head of Jimbo right now. As it stands, there, there's no question about that. Is, the question is because is it's somebody right what who, they are right is now. Is there somebody who deserves yeah. to be above James Franklin? Uh, Mike Leach, potentially. I mean, would you put he, he did win the Egg Bowl, so would you put him above Lane Kiffin right now? Let, let's let's put it this way Is James Franklin going to be the last Big Ten coach we mentioned before a run of SEC coaches, or is Luke Fickle? getting slipped in there because well, there's one that you're going to sleep on but i think should be pretty high up on this list and that's pat fitzgerald i know they had a terrible year you know what two what, terrible years in a row like yeah. oh i mean what this what this guy's done at, at northwestern at North it's, it's, it's amazing good. Yeah. it's amazing but he's not doing very well right now and i'm not sure he gets it back that's the problem yeah i don't know i mean he could be headed he down the same road that was could be headed down the same road david shaw was headed down i mean before that's, this year started i would have said that Pat Fitzgerald potentially is one of the top 15, 10 best coaches in college football. He's a great coach, but he needs two new coordinators. Once Hank Witts uh, retired, that defense went right in the pot, and that's one thing that they can hang their hat on. We also yeah. haven't mentioned our, our guy with the best job in America, Mark Stoops. This is really, really difficult. We'll be right back after these words. How do you compare like a coach like James Franklin to a coach like Mike Leach 
when what they've done has been so different. Well, like, that, actually, that's the, actually, actually, you can compare. That's I mean, the I guess one Vanderbilt guy you can because James Franklin won nine games two years in a row at Vanderbilt, and this is the the truth. This is what I always ask people: who who among the college football coaches that work? No, I right know, but now, you can't you can't could, could pull that off. Pat Fitzgerald for the last two years, and then talk to me about James Franklin's Vandy days. Like those are two. Yeah, but James Franklin's ideologies. also ten and two right now. Yeah, but he but he uh, had a, he was seven and six last year after being in the top five and had a losing yeah. record two years ago. Yeah, you know, I, I the, know the guy the guy that I cover, uh, people make fun of him all the time, but he's the tied for the third most wins in Big Ten history. Well, Kurt, he's got five top ten finishes. Two championships, and he's been in a bowl game every year, but once. In the and last a few spicy press conferences this year too. Yeah, Mark he's Stoops, more than Mark Stoops few, is yeah. the Kirk Ferentz of the SEC. Is that is that agreeable? Can we say that? I think that so. they're basically I, analogous. Because you know, Mark Stoops has done a great job at a program that's not gonna that hasn't really had much traction at all, other than a few years there when what uh, Rich Brooks was there <laughs> with Andre Woodson and. Um, you know, and Kirk again, Woodson the, could sling it. Yes. And, and Kirk has had, uh, again, a remarkable run of success going into this year. He was seventh in, in power five winning percentage the last five years. So, and, and there's another, yeah, there's another, uh, coach in the sec that I would buy stock in right now. And that's Shane Beamer. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, exactly. and again, Hypel. Now Heupel, we, we haven't mentioned PJ Fleck. We haven't no. mentioned Jeff Brom, who's about to play in the big 10 championship game. Yeah. Like there's a, there, the, but Bielema? This underscores the point that Ari, I think, was trying to make. There's a lot of coaching talent now. Like We're going to be saying some of these guys are bad because they just can't win every game because they're all playing each other. Well, I think that the SEC's coaches are top-heavy. Like You have Saban and Kirby Smart, who are undeniably the two okay, best coaches in college football. Who's terrible in the SEC? Uh, I guess nobody's terrible except Vanderbilt, but Clark Lee also has Clark Lee's just, just beat Billy Florida. Napier and Mark yeah. Stoops. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I mean, is there an absolutely terrible Big Ten coach? Well, I don't. Uh, you look the, at uh, Tom the, the, Allen. The commenters are saying right. Tom Allen. Tom Allen had a few good years. He's got to figure out how to get that back. Like, was Kalen DeBoer the the magic secret sauce that that made Tom Allen's program better? COVID was, and it you know it affected everybody they, around him. They, but were, not they him. were de they were decent before that though. The 2019 they weren't bad either. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's they he's got to figure out what it was that that they were doing right then, and and figure out how to repeat that. It seems like they're they're not going to make a change, and he's got a pretty big buyout from from what I understand. So I, I think. That he's got another year to figure that out. Well, it would be very interesting too if you did this list. And you just did it by salary total. Like, it might look similar, but there might be some Big Ten coaches out of place, too. It's like when you look at, like, what Hugh Freeze just got paid from Auburn. It doesn't even compare. And I think maybe part of that is because of the baggage that comes along with it. But it doesn't compare with some of the salaries that the Big Ten is is handing out right now. It's the leverage situation with Hugh. And and he did have some leverage because Liberty had given him a nice deal. But he really wanted back in the SEC. I, I think if Auburn had offered him like four bucks, he would have taken it. Yeah. Because he just really wants to be back in the SEC. And if he are any good, his money will come. Yeah. Uh, and, and so here's, here's Matt Rule, since this, uh, we want a nice, fresh example. This is an interesting one because of the way the salary escalates. 
because remember, he's still getting paid by the Panthers. There's an offset. So Nebraska has to give him a market value salary for those years that he's still he's supposed to be paid by the Panthers. Otherwise, the Panthers would not approve this deal. But it does go up considerably over the years. So next year, he's going to make $5.5 million. So the, the Panthers are kicking in a fairly significant amount there. 2024, six and a half. 25, seven and a half. It goes up every year till you get to 2030 where he's making 12 and a half million. Now, this is written like a contract that is, they're going to say, well, we don't need to give you a raise. The raises are already built in. We're already accounting for inflation or whatever, whatever it is, whatever it is they're going to say. If you make five million dollars a year, can you even say the word inflation with your with the right face? <laughs> Not with a straight face, no. Okay, but yeah. I, I'm talking about the Milk inflation. Is three dollars now, guys. <laughs> yeah. I'm the talking about the inflation of, the of coaches' salaries, yes. not not actual inflation. But it is interesting too, because when you look yeah. at what Mel Tucker's making, right now it seems insane, but by twenty twenty nine he might be a middle tier paid coach at that point. Mm-hmm. Once that te- television money starts mm-hmm. kicking in and people uh or getting raises and extensions and new oh, hires are made. Like it. Here, here, here's a great one. This is a this is a, a, a more interesting way to ask this question we were just asking. Which Big Ten coach is going to have a good year next year that may not be repeatable and will get an absurd contract because of it? Bielema. Is it Bielema, Brom, or PJ Fleck? Which one is it? It's going to be one of those three. Well, Bielema probably off this year. Um, you know, they were eight and four and that's a, that's a lot better than what they are. I, I think Fleck, Fleck has been there for a while now, you know, and Brom has too. And he's gotten a couple raises. Yeah. Uh, Brom's interesting because, you know, again, eight and four won that division, but that's been his best record. Um, you know, at some point they're going to crash and burn. And especially when they go into the full uh, conference mode and not the, the Western division mode. So, yeah, the other thing about the Big Ten that we didn't mention, by the way, where's Lincoln Riley going to rank when sure. he gets in there? What about Chip Kelly? And Chip Kelly, too. Yeah. So it is going to be pretty loaded. And But Lincoln is, Riley would be third, right? I think so, yeah. I think it would go and Nick Kirby Lincoln. Nick Kirby over Lincoln. Harbaugh? Over yeah. Harbaugh? Mm-hmm. Well, if, I guess listen, if Lincoln Riley can get USC to the playoff this year, in year one, after flipping the roster, then yeah, I'm gonna put. I'm happy. I feel to like all you there. have to do is breathe normally as their quarterback, a Lincoln Riley quarterback, to win the Heisman too. I, I well, I think there's two pieces to that. I think he's really good at finding. Yeah, they're good really and he's good quarterbacks, yeah. <laughs> and then he's good at using them and figuring out <laughs> yeah. what how to maximize them. Yeah, if anybody so, watched Caleb Williams play, I don't think anybody thinks it's only because of Lincoln Riley, but the two match together pretty well. It's, so yeah. it's pretty yeah, it's pretty dynamic. So. This is going to be fascinating to watch, and I think the Big Ten will get as cutthroat as the SEC, yeah, sheerly because of the money. Well, and the other thing that I'm I'm very interested to see too, and like Fluke Fickle's what we were talking about earlier, but once the investment in the football stuff, the assistant salaries, the recruiting budget, the facilities, all those things start to come up to par with the SEC, if you're going to start to see depth and talent more spread out in these programs that you haven't seen very often. Cause like Wisconsin is the perfect example of this. Like they've had very good football teams. They've been a very good big 10 West team that can't match up physically against the elite teams in the country. And I'm wondering if the new influx of cash 
It's going to help them get skill position players. Their head coach that they were able to pay and get through makes it a more attractive place. And then all of a sudden, Wisconsin is a hell of a lot better than they've ever been before as a result of all this new money. It's possible. And how, how about this one? What if Indiana has a terrible year next year again and, and makes a change? And they decide, you know what? We have all this new money coming in. We are going to swing for the fences. Is there a Big 12 or good ACC program other than other than Clemson, really, that, that can stop the coach from leaving? Like That's what is the question. Indiana job in the ACC, Scott? Like what's what in the ACC? Like Boston College? Yeah, it's it's down the. I mean, Indiana is a it's it's like KU, you know, it's like Kansas. It's a basketball first enterprise where basketball is out of this world. It's fantastic, even when they're not very good, and they will spend like crazy on basketball, football. They try to compete, and I I think maybe but don't you think that's Iowa change? State. I think uh, I, I don't think so. I think that's been their mentality. That's Illinois and that's Purdue's mentality. Scott, they're going to be getting a hundred million dollars a year from the conference. Like they're going to spend it on something. You have to spend it on something. Well, uh, like yeah, is there going to be I a mean, day where Indiana can poach NC State's head coach if they want him? Well, I think that day is coming. Yeah, absolutely. I think they could probably go and you know Matt Campbell's probably not the coach you are thinking about right now today, but maybe next year he is, and maybe he's the type of guy that, that you But could for. Indiana ever take Florida State's coach? That I think I think Florida State would try to try to rally and and spend to make sure they that, that the that fact didn't that you have to happen, go but, is like mm-hmm. I'm just telling right, you because that, it's gonna be so much money. Exactly. It's gonna be insane amount a sane amount of money and I don't know if I mean Florida State's got some. You know, I know that they've yeah. got some some money in the bank there, but you know, if you start throwing around, it's kind of you know what it reminds me of. What was that uh, golf thing that everybody was complaining oh, about? The live six tour. Months, the live, the live tour. tour. Yeah, that's my yeah. daughter's name. I should have remembered that. But <laughs> yeah. uh, like all these golfers that were going to commit to this golf tour that nobody cared about, it was just like, well, I just will make hundreds of millions of dollars more yeah, money and, we'll, and just we'll do guarantee it. it, and you don't and we'll even have to make the cut. Because there are no cuts. There are you no just cuts. Get the money. It's like, yeah, hey, uh, you know, Mike Norvell, you want to come up to Bloomington? We'll give you a $125 million 10-year guaranteed contract. Get your ass up here. What's he going to say? No, I'd rather stay here and potentially get fired in two years. <laughs> it's it's going to be tough. That like that you, we are we are laughing and, and and making light, but that situation is going to happen somewhere. I don't know where. I, th- I just wonder if in college football, Purdue is going to be the 33rd best job in college football. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I, I also think that there's probably a little bit of dose of reality that to the, some of these programs that they understand their place in the world, that they're not going to beat Ohio State with regularity because I, I, I Indiana hasn't Scott, done it in 35 until, years. You know? Until, until the, the structure of the sport changes, they have to spend the money on something. And they're gonna. They need ceiling tiles at Assembly Hall. I know, but can can a program like Indiana <laughs> or Purdue take pride in being? Well, we're you not going to really be Ohio only, State. It, a, the lesson here is you can only spend so much on basketball. Like they're really, it's it's a tiny locker room by comparison. You can you can outfit their dorm rooms with the greatest. Like Kentucky's a good example of this. I mean, they could make a moat uh, they, made out of liquid gold if they wanted right, to. Right. They treat their <laughs> basketball players like royalty, but they mm-hmm. still find plenty of money to build nice new facilities for Mark Stoops. But they, these, give Mark Stoops big raises. These programs can 
take pride in, well, maybe we can't beat Ohio State, but we're sure it's going to beat the hell out of everybody else who isn't in the power, too. Well, sure. I mean, that should be their goal. But that's not the case now. I think they're going to be under major pressure to do that. You know, I mean, Purdue's at the Big Ten title game. Purdue has beaten Ohio State. Purdue has, you know, won won its division. It's beaten Iowa four out of six years. It has not beaten Wisconsin since, I think, uh, 9-11. So, you know, it's been a long time. But, uh, you know, I think all – but those teams probably not – probably similar to the SEC. I don't think Kentucky goes, man, we're going to beat Georgia and Alabama with regularity. But I think what they're doing is saying, look – we can once in a great while compete with an Ohio State, maybe and win. Ar- but I, also, I, I think Arkansas that these is the same way. Low tier Big Ten schools might be able to go get like the name, the next like yeah. Lane Kiffin. Well, like and that's if, what if you're, if you're a good Big Twelve coach at that point. You know, Texas. Let's say Texas and Oklahoma are gone, and yeah. Brett Bjormark got a really great TV deal for the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. It's still not anywhere close to the Big Ten's deal. Like, mm-hmm. if you're a good Big Twelve coach, if you have proven yourself in the Big Twelve. Well, I mean, let's let's put it this way. One of the schools going into the Big 12 had a great coach, and they just lost in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Like, that is probably the reality going forward. If, a, if an SEC or a Big 10 school wants your coach, it, it oh. doesn't even matter if they're good anymore. Do we have to – M. Go Bosky just said, why is Ohio State the bar they've been surpassed now? Should we say, well, they're not going to beat Michigan. Like, do we have to, like, reprogram our brains to say that now? We might. I mean, that's the whole column I wrote last last Monday, and everybody got mad at me saying, how dare you say that we should root for Michigan? I'm like, no, no, no. I'm just saying, don't you want the conference to be more open and not completely dominated by one program? And now maybe it'll be completely dominated by Michigan, but I don't think that's the case. No. I think there's going to be, you know, Penn State's going to be there. Michigan State will rise up. It's always been this big three, and then you've had – Three teams that have are like three polar bears on the same sheet of ice: Wisconsin, Iowa, and Michigan State. And once in a while, they just kind of rotate. And Nebraska, sh- Nebraska should be in that iceberg too, but instead, it's way back there, and it'll catch up because I think Matt Rule's a fantastic hire. I'd, well, he's a home run hire. Now, America. here's here's what makes it interesting. And, and Taz nine nine seven in the chat points this out. I'd like to be surpassed and still possibly make the playoffs. Like. Here, here's the deal. If Indiana throws, you know, fires the money cannon at you and you leave, say, Washington, like Washington has a chance to make the playoff in the 12 team system. Mm-hmm. Indiana still probably doesn't. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is, yeah, the, the, you're you're striving to be in the top four in the Big Ten because maybe number four gets in the playoff or at least you're at the borderline of that. So I think that's fascinating. But I think uh, the other point is with this, with Michigan and Ohio State, is if we're, if this isn't a divisionless system, they're playing again this week. And how much relevance does that game have what just took place? Because now Ohio State has to live with this for a year. But otherwise, well, they might go to Indian beat. They might Michigan, not, Scott, but they here's, might. Here's, here's the thing <laughs> if Michigan, I was, I've been thinking about this a lot, actually. If this were 2024 and they were playing, that game in the Big Ten title game this week. It was a Michigan-Ohio State rematch. If Michigan beat Ohio State the same way again and beat them twice in eight days, like kick their ass twice in eight days, they really might actually fire Ryan Day. I was, look, I was looking at the uh, mm-hmm. online odds makers uh, today, 
And they said if Ohio State were to play Michigan again in an indoor dome this weekend, that Ohio State would be a four-point favorite still. Guys, the... Uh, <laughs> when I say guys, I'm, I'm saying line makers. The weather was pretty nice no, in Columbus the, the other day. Like, the, no, it's not the weather. They were saying that the improbability of the big play, uh, the, the big plays that they hit, because like 80% of their offense came on five plays, that the probability of doing that again would be very low. Mm. I don't know. The probability of Ohio State's defense busting a coverage seems like it. Yeah, I'd take the points. I'm just saying. There is a potential. Let me let me just put your guys' mind in a pretzel right now. Oh boy! <laughs> you know you know what the spreads are for the the championship games in the Pac-12 and the Big 12. Do it. Hit it. Two, TCU is uh, laying two and a half against Kansas State, and wow. USC is laying three against Utah. Do you know what the payout is on a two-team parlay for both of those teams to win out? It's almost three to one. Hmm. So Holy like cow. like Vegas thinks that you Something's get paid. It's a three to one odds that oh, both of those teams cover the spread. And probably something like one and a half or two to one that both win. Nick Saban is sitting there going, oh, so you're saying there's a chance. So I, what I'm saying is, depending on what if both lose. Right. We could potentially see Ohio State Michigan play in the Fiesta Bowl. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which I think would be the greatest thing in the history of mankind. Oh, yeah. Wait, Sign me up, baby. I thought because rematches the, were bad. <laughs> no, no. They, yeah, you're right. It would be fun. But here's the thing I will say. If Ohio State gets in the playoff and they are lined up against Georgia in the first round and Michigan um, is facing Place. TCU right. and Michigan somehow loses and Ohio State, for whatever reason, were to win the national championship, would that even be a – like, there would be a successful season because then it's a natty. Like, when, with, like, how do you honor that team? It's the 2017 Alabama team. They lost the Iron Bowl, but they won the national championship. I know. I wonder, like, yeah. if you ask Alabama fans, like, how do you feel about? Oh, they don't view they, oh. now because of the way they won the national championship. That team will always be remembered, but the, it is not remembered as like one of Nick Saban's better national title teams. It's a. It's like I, I it's well. It must be nice to have twenty seven to choose from. <laughs> exactly. But like for a normal program like Ohio State, that's only won two championships since nineteen sixty something or whatever it's been. Like how do that how do you manifest I mean, I don't know like the manifestation of the feelings that would cause I think you're still happy because they won the national title. But you it's bittersweet. Yeah. It's like you win the national championship in a Michigan game. Yeah, well we dumped your ass and it would be the it'd be awful. Actually it would give them if it would give them ways to yell at one another that are different. Yeah. I, you know, I've got one which is 2002 when Ohio State won the national title. That year, they tied for the Big Ten title with Iowa at eight and zero. Iowa had one loss <laughs> and was playing better than everybody by the end of the year. The one loss came to Iowa State with Seneca Wallace when Brad Banks got hurt, and so forever their undefeated Big Ten t- Big Ten championship co championship came when they lost Iowa State. So, how does That's Iowa it. view that? Uh, they love the Big Ten championship part of it, but they hate the fact they didn't play Ohio State. But then, oh yeah, by the way, you always lost to Iowa State. So that has always been kind of this. What was the uh, score of the Iowa State game? 36-31. And, that uh, sucks, dude. And, yeah. That system sucked. Yeah. And it's too bad uh, Ohio State and Iowa didn't play that year because that would have been a fantastic. Because like all those bullshit seasons that yeah. like that are solved in this system. Yeah. So even like I'm, I'm like kind of like a, a, a anti-expansion uh, skis. I know, like the fact that like like there's no scenario whatsoever where that could possibly. Oh, I love being right. No, but like well, in this yeah. in this four team playoff, there's no scenario where that could play out that way without they without them all having a chance. 
Well, exactly. Right? And this is, yeah, and this is why the NCAA was was full of shit all these years because uh, you know if it would have just allowed the Big Ten to have a championship game, maybe the Big Ten doesn't even care about expansion, and maybe we don't have any of this shit. I, but yeah, you know, the, the 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 history of why it had to be twelve teams. I wrote the story years ago. It's hilarious. The Pennsylvania State Athletic yeah. Conference, D two conference, they wrote the rule, and originally they wrote the rule to say you had to have. Uh, 14 teams because they had 14 mm-hmm. teams. One of their sister conferences, and I'm blanking on the name of the other conference, uh, but they said, hey, can we co-sponsor this with you? And can you change that 14 to a 12 because we got 12 teams? Like that was the why. There was no sacred yeah. reason. It was completely arbitrary. Right. <laughs> so it, that's that's how dumb all this is. Marcus Arroyo fired at UNLV. Ari Wasserman, lover of Las Vegas. I need to know, how are you going to get this job and what are you going to do when you've got it? So my wife's best friend was a cheerleader at UNLV, and uh, she's over here all the time because they uh, both had babies around the same time, and they're best friends since childhood, and they live like five minutes from us now. And I was talking to her about going to college at UNLV, and she said all they did all weekend was uh, was go to the strip all the time, which I think is like an incredible and frankly odd college experience, you know, because like it's like yeah. we all had college parties. We had to like figure out a way to get a keg into some house with creaky wooden their floors. Their party was at the wind. And they're like, well, yeah, Brit's prom was like at MGM Grand's ballroom or something. Like they, they don't, their childhood wasn't real. Um, but I think like making UNLV the Sin City, like just completely embracing it. Like be the heel, like really yes. be the heel coach. Yes. And yes. just be like, like, Try to be like the you of the group of five where you, mm-hmm. you know, you encourage so be, celebrating. You make so it be fun. Tark, basically. Yeah, Tark. Be the football Tark. I mean, like, honestly, like, why, like, come to Vegas, like, put slot machines in. Uh, well, they did have the turnover slot machine that you could did. pull the handle yes. if you got yeah. a turnover. Yeah, and I like somebody just wrote strippers and cocaine is what I'm hearing. It's like, yeah. But, <laughs> that's what your NIL deal is. You're 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 yeah, paid in right. strippers and cocaine. No, I'm just saying like like really like wear like all black Sin City uniforms. Yes. And yeah. like really like play into like that brand because it's like UNLV just kind of exists out there and it's like there's no real Vegas to it. You know what I mean? Like make the whole country like curious. What the hell's going on in Vegas? Yeah, you know, use oh, California, I, get people I- into the campus. Like, have official visits at the win. Like, I don't know what they do, but like, I would just be like, you want to come here and like, just like stand. Like, I could just picture like the head coach of UNLV standing in like the bar at the the Waldorf Astoria that they have there next to the Aria, like in a bar with an eighteen year old looking out at the strip and going, "This city could be yours, man." <laughs> like, like I, I don't know. Like, just like lean into it. I love it. And I hire love a it. coach but, with baggage. And oh, right. absolutely. You could hire Hugh Freeze in this situation yeah. and be like, listen. It's legal. What happens here stays <laughs> no. here, baby. What happens in Vegas Ma- stays in Vegas. Like, And I know that it's right. a little bit weird because you got to be careful. They're student athletes. Yeah. They need to go to class. All Do that they? stuff. But like if you played into it a little bit, like I would encourage like celebrate like an yeah. asshole when you score. <laughs> right. You know, be the most obnoxious. Yes, this we, we is want Dion. the most obnoxious. Yeah, the most Dion obnoxious Sanders celebrations ever. to UNLV. Dion. Let's do it. I think he he, he's already been offered the Colorado job, guys. He's, he can be the power five if he wants. If he took yeah. the Colorado job, I would. Sh- I'm going to say I would shit my pants. That makes <laughs> zero sense. 
I mean, Boulder's awesome, but yeah, Boulder's the football awesome program. for skiers. Okay, it's, it's, not it's awesome interesting. Ari, no, it's awesome. I, it's I awesome. will say, as a former Tampa resident, you could uh, you could really use a similar recruiting pitch for USF. Yeah, I mean, you could do minus, it anywhere minus but like, the casinos, but pretty much everything else, including the strip clubs, you you could absolutely yeah. you land it in the Vegas airport. You're gonna land in the USF. Vegas, land in the Vegas you airport did. on Thursday when you get there, Andy. What do yeah. you see? You see cigar stands. Yep. You see, uh, you know, slot machines everywhere. There's a huge liquor store. You got people, you know, advertising strip clubs all over the place. Like, just play into that stuff. That's what it is. Uh, okay. So I, in Tampa, is it I have Mons like casino-themed uniforms. <laughs> official you know? visits at Mons Venus. I don't think Mons you get Venus. away with that. Do you take them, like, on the that. strip for their official visit <laughs> dinners? Like, the, the Golden Steers sit in the booth that Sinatra and Al Capone used to sit in. Like, come on. Like, Vegas, baby. <laughs> you know? Like, Bellagio Fountains. Uh, and yet Vegas, your baby. On the, on yes. The, on the, yes. I mean, I don't know. You got to do something. Well, but like there's zero time. Every time somebody commits the Bellagio Fountains erupt. Erupt with the school, high school colors of whoever that is. Yeah. Oh, this is tremendous. We'll talk about NIL billboards on the, yeah. you know, forget Siegfried and Roy posters. Now, Secret NIL is not, cannot be pay for play, but sure can it can. Well, no, it really can't. No, but I know. But it can, can. But can it be like you, you're allowed $50 to pull the handle play? <laughs> yeah. as, as you are being a pitch person for this casino? Like you're, you're, you're pitching. But you can't have an NIL deal for a casino, can you? Probably not. Mm. I think that gambling and beer or liquor is, are okay. the two things, but I don't know about hookers. <laughs> well, I'm they're, they're they're legal in <laughs> I don't know certain counties in that state. You know, not, from Vegas not the one Vegas is like, in, but <laughs> Bijan Robinson could have like a like say Bijan Robinson's name at the. Uh, uh, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to go down this. Road. Don't know, please. Yeah, I'm sorry, Bijan Robinson. No, I'm not we, saying Bijan. Really love like, your mustard. He, he had mustard, so like, can't you just get the next five star running back to have like a promo at the Spearmint Rhino or something? <laughs> Why not? I don't know. I mean, money's money. I, what do we, I see? What I see no rule against it. You can have a sandwich at a deli at Zingerman's, and why can't you have a, you know, a drink special at our strip club? I don't know. Both are overpriced. Yeah. So Both, yeah, people are just trying to show off. Might as well use your name. I don't know. Like we're just having fun with this. <laughs> I think we found our quarterback, guys. General Michael Booty. Gross. General Booty transfers to UNLV. General Booty yeah. goes to UNLV. Can you imagine? Oh, let's Come make for the this spearmint happen. Rhino free cover just to see General Booty, and he doesn't even have to show up. And, well, that's the thing. You just put that it's on just the General poster. Booty, right? You put it on the billboard, <laughs> General Booty at the spearmint Rhino, and and oh, half man. like ninety percent of the people who see the billboard will have no idea what that means, but they're like, "Hmm, that sounds like something I need to go I mean, see." Like the, the, yeah. the actual question is like, if you took eighty, if we took eighty percent off of this, and we when we actually made it seriously, and you did make it Sin City. You put it on their uniforms and you really did play yeah. up the Vegas aspect of it. And you actually made it real. Like, is UNLV a winnable job? Like, can uh, the right person with the right attitude make it a fun place to go? I think anywhere in the Mountain West could be winnable. Yeah. With and like, the right honestly, person. what if they like instilled a offensive philosophy where they never punt? Like, you did uh, something that made so people want to watch you. Yeah, made, made people want to watch you on television. I don't care. The only time you punt is if you're outside of your own 30 or you're outside of your own 35 or you're inside your own 35 or it's further than fourth and 20. 
Steven Garcia would have been the perfect quarterback yeah. for UNLV SC yeah. scout guy. On, on could you imagine on some the, of those sick stream. black alternate uniforms they could wear yes. if it said Sin oh, City into the V-neck? Black oh, and yeah. black and silver. Yeah, go with like the, the Raiders. Raiders. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, and then the, and then yeah, you and know what? Sin City's in red. Yeah, that'd be cool. You know what else they need? Horses. One silver, one black. Name it Hookers and Blow. Come see Hookers and Blow. (laughs) (laughs) Come to the stable for Hookers and Blow. Hire us. (laughs) Associate AD for marketing, Associate AD for sales, Associate AD for communications. Is that they have one of the best uh, hospitality management. No, no, they have one of the best high school football or football programs in America. Bishop Gorman, absolutely. Yeah. They didn't offer Cedric Tillman at a high school. But didn't aren't the Fertitta, isn't the Fertitta family a huge donor for UNLV? Well, they're also a huge donor for Houston. And they, that, well, they're the ones who made the Bishop from Gorman. There. If you've been to Bishop Gorman's high school, like their entire stadium, it's like a college stadium. And well, the facilities are insane. And it's like maybe the maybe the Fertitas get us when when we, you know, turn Sin City, the Sin City running rebels, like, oh, this is the helmet. Ready? Black jersey, silver accents, black pants, silver helmet, one side in cursive, red, sin. The other side in cursive, red, city. Think about the alternate uniforms that you could have too of like the strip lit up. Like, you know how like Maryland's crazy helmets? Oh, yeah, yeah. Strip on the helmet. God. And they were lit up and it was all black and the only color in it was just the strip. And it just had like sequence like a disco ball and it just yeah, and you could take the, you could t- the and you could take the academic oriented uh you know pr- prospective student athletes and they can just ride the rides at the stratosphere or take them on the New York New York roller coaster. You could do the <laughs> exactly. wholesome way. Give, take them to water nice parks. Yeah. Yeah, you could take them to Summerlin. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. And then you take the the ones that the kids that it would appeal to to the strip to gamble. And 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 you tell these guys, listen, boys. You can do this as much as you want. As long as you show for practice and to and kick cl- ass on Saturdays. That's, that's what that's what we need right now. <laughs> oh my god. Wait, yes. Neil Neil has our better helmet logo. Just a silhouette so, of a quote unquote dancer with a football in her arm would look insane on a helmet. You're darn right yeah. it would, Neil. You're darn right it would. Guys, we're not gonna be here. <laughs> you shouldn't have asked me that, Andy. I'm week. sorry for that eight minutes. No, no, no. We're <laughs> all getting hired. We are all getting hired at UNLV. I can't wait. This has been brilliant. I am so ready to bring the Sin City running rebels to national prominence. It's going to happen. We'll talk to you later.